I want to introduce with, to you somebody who's just wonderful. She was the one who um, really paved the way for hosting at the WCA gathering. She's just an amazing woman. The Reverend Stephanie Greenwald, Associate Pastor of St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, will be our next speaker. She emceed our fourth global gathering in Tulsa and people appreciated her so much that we invited her to make a presentation today. Many of you know Stephanie is one of the co-hosts of Holy Conversations, the WCA's podcast. If you listen to Holy, uh, to Holy Conversations, would you just give him a hand? Yeah. Stephanie is a graduate of the University of Science and Arts in of Oklahoma. She's currently pursuing a Master of Divinity degree at Asbury Theological Seminary. We have shouting Asburyans in here. That's awesome. She's a leader in our Oklahoma regional chapter, and she also serves on the executive board of Light Up the Dark, a nonprofit helping people who struggle with addiction and abuse. Stephanie offers so many beautiful gifts to the body of Christ, pastor, worship leader, podcaster, faithful follower of Jesus. Will you welcome the Reverend Stephanie Greenwald? Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you all. So it's, it was so much fun. A couple of years ago, my family and I decided that we would take a trip back to where my husband grew up. Now, you may have met my husband. He's out here at the MACU table, Mid-America Christian University. He's been named the new president to start June 1st, which we're really excited about. But we decided to go back to his hometown of Findlay Lake, New York, right? There it is, right there. And we took our two daughters who are 14 and 16, and we decided to go to Peak and Peak. It's a great place there, right? You know, you love Peak and Peak. And we were doing their zip lining. So it was so exciting. We had zip lined through the beautiful terrain of Western New York. And this zip line place had different stations. So you'd zip line from one place to the next place, and then you kind of get hooked up to the next thing, and then you'd zip line to the next platform. But then when you got down to the final platform, the guy who was taking care of our little hooks and all those things, he looked at us and he said, okay, you've got two options about how to get down off the platform. You can take the stairs of shame, <laughs> or you can step off this ledge and you'll just tether right down to the bottom. <laughs> Sounds easy enough. So I looked at both of our girls and I said, there's no shame in the stairs of shame, but don't you dare go down the stairs of shame. You can step off the ledge and it'll be totally fine. So my oldest daughter, Callie said, okay, I'll go first, no problem. And she steps up to the ledge. <laughs> And I'm standing off to the side and I'm being the best mom in the world. And I said, it's fine, you're gonna be totally fine. It'll, like, it'll catch you, you're not even gonna free fall. I was giving her the best pep talk of ever about how Jesus does things like that in our lives. And so she said, okay, I'll do it, fine. And she just steps off and goes down to the ground. And then our younger daughter, Tori, steps up and she said, I got this, she stepped right up. And I again gave the best theological pep talk I'd ever given. And she steps off the ledge and goes all the way down. And my amazing husband, Phil, says to me, why don't you go down next? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I stepped up to the ledge, and for some reason, the ground was a lot further away than when I was giving the pep talk. 
And so I step up to the ledge and, and the guy who helps us get, get down says to me, are you, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just remembering all those things I just said about Jesus. And he said, do you want me to count, like give you a countdown? I said, yes, that would be so helpful. And then he had the audacity to start at three. I was like, I thought we were gonna start at 10 million or something, that would have been way better. And so he counts at three, two, one, and then we were all still standing there on the ledge. <laughs> and I finally looked at him and I looked at my husband, Phil, and I said, I am sorry, I cannot, I cannot do this. And they said, that's fine. There's no shame in the stairs of shame. <laughs> so he unhooked my stuff and I walked down the stairs of shame. And before I got down to the ground, my husband had stepped off the platform and was all the way down to the ground. But isn't it interesting when God calls us to do something great and he calls us to take a step of faith out of our comfort zone, it is so much easier to tell everybody else how to do it than when it is us that are standing on the ledge and we have to take the step of faith ourselves. But you see, that is where the Israelites found themselves when they were getting ready to live in the promised land. Now, I did not say when they were getting ready to come into the promised land, it was actually when they were getting ready to live in the promised land that that was a hard step of faith. Because you see, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, we see that Joshua gets handed the mantle from Moses. Moses is dead and he's gonna lead the people into the promised land. And God says, be strong and courageous and the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we think this is great and it's so easy. But then we spend the first five chapters of Joshua seeing how God prepares the people to take the step. And then the next six chapters of the book of Joshua deal with how God and the people conquer the lands. We get to see how God brings them through the Jordan. God is really good at parting seas and bringing people through difficult things that seem impossible. And they've seen it now twice. And then we see the time when they're conquering the Amorites and Joshua looks up to God and says, I need you to make time stand still. And the sun literally stays in the same place for about a day. And then we see all of these different kings conquered, 31 kings conquered. And then they get to the place where they have the land and they begin to divide it up and place the borders and send the different tribes into the different land. But then at the end of the book, Joshua gathers everybody back together and he says these words from Joshua 24. He goes back through how God brought Abraham out of a land where they worshiped other gods, how they brought Moses and the people out of the bondage of slavery, slavery from the Egyptians. And then he goes back through and he says, remember everything that's happened as we've been going into the promised land. And then God says, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then he says, now fear the Lord and serve him in all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, 
I'm going to pause right there for just a second because <laughs> I can hear the humor in his voice in this. He's just gone back through everything that God has ever done for them. Impossible, impossible things. And then he's like, what, but if serving that God seems undesirable to you, <laughs> then choose for yourselves this day whom you, were, whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, the ones that they served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, you know it, we will serve the Lord. You see, this is a really interesting threshold that God has brought these people to. Because it's not just about conquering the promised land. It's not just about receiving the dirt and the land and the sand. It's about now, how are you going to live in the promised land? Because conquering the promised land was the easy part. God is asking, how will you live? Who will you serve in the promised land? It's a threshold that they have to decide whether or not they're gonna step out in faith and do what God has called them to do, to live in the promised land. But as we think about what that means for us today, God is calling us to embark on a new endeavor. He is calling us to the edge and instead of just telling everybody else how easy it is to do it, he's asking us to actually take the step. But he's saying to us, I've paved the way. I have conquered so that you can be more than conquerors. I've paved the way for you, so now how are you gonna live in the promised land? Who will you be in the promised land? And who will you serve in the promised land? because everybody's gonna be watching. But you see, our promised land is not a promised land of dirt. It's not a promised land of ground. It's not a promised land with trees. Our promised land is a promised land of souls. It's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God that he wants us to be a part of and to live in, but he's asking us, how are you going to live in the promised land? Who will you serve as your king? Because if serving God seems undesirable to you, there's a lot of other gods to choose from. But who will you serve as Lord of your life in this kingdom where Jesus reigns? It's a threshold. I remember a time when Jesus was with a crowd of people and there was this one man who couldn't hear and he couldn't barely speak and a group brought that man to Jesus and they said, we want you to heal him. We want you to, to, to help him hear and to help him speak. And I love how Mark tells us that this happened because he says that Jesus actually took that man away from the crowd. And I thought to myself, one of the times I read it, I don't think it was so that he could hear Jesus better. But when you think about somebody who has difficulty hearing or speaking, usually their other senses kick in and become more acute, which means that his eyes were taking in all kinds of stimulation from around him and the crowd was being loud. And Jesus had the kindness in his heart to pull that man away from the crowd where the only thing that that man could see was Jesus. And then Jesus does something super weird 
Don't you love it when Jesus does weird things? I totally love it. He looks at the man and he takes his fingers and he sticks his fingers in the man's ears. Not very COVID friendly. <laughs> so he takes his hands, he sticks his fingers in the man's ears and then he spits on his hands and he touches the man's tongue. Whoa. <laughs> you see, the thing I think we learn from this part of the story about how God wants us to live in the promised land, how we serve a king in the kingdom of God, is that we are going to have to be ready for the extraordinary. We are gonna have to be ready for things that are not normal. Our whole lives, we have done normal in the United Methodist Church. I don't know about you, but I've been in the United Methodist Church all my life, and I know what normal is. <laughs> Boring, yes. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> but I love it that Jesus is not normal and Jesus is not boring. And so if we are going to live in the promised land and serve him as our king, we're gonna have to be okay with the extraordinary. We're gonna have to be okay with things that may offend. We are gonna have to be okay with doing things that look a lot more like heaven and a lot less like earth. And then Jesus, after he does this, when he has put his fingers in the man's ears and he spit on his hands and he puts his hands on the man's tongue, Mark says, Jesus looks up to heaven, looks up to heaven and sighs. And then he says, if half the, which means be opened. Now, if you read it too fast, you might just miss it. Because we often think that Jesus is saying that the man's ears and tongue need to be opened, which I think he probably is. But I love it that Mark says where Jesus looks first. He says Jesus looks to heaven and says, be opened. Because you see, there is a threshold between heaven and earth. And if we are going to live in the kingdom, serving God as our Lord, Jesus as our savior, and if we're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, then we are going to have to cross over into what happens in heaven and bring heaven to earth. Because that is what Jesus did. That threshold is Jesus Christ. My family's done a lot of remodels in our days. We have torn down walls and we have put up ceilings and we have done drywall and mud and tape and tile and all of the things that you do in a remodel. And we've done them in several different places. And I can tell you from experience that the threshold piece is the last piece you think about in a remodel. Because you're excited about the new paint and the new walls and the new floor and all the beautiful, wonderful things that have happened. But by the time you look down and that threshold piece has not been put in, you're like, I'm really done with this remodel. <laughs> but when we decide to cross over, when we decide to make the commitment that we are going to serve the Lord faithfully, that we and our house are going to serve the Lord, it changes everything. And Jesus is the one who makes that threshold between heaven and earth possible. 
There was a barrier before, it's not there anymore. So now we get to experience heaven on earth. That is why we say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because while there may be a separation for a time, it's not nearly as big as we try to make it. There was a pastor from Colorado, and he was traveling back from Africa. He was going home. He'd been in Africa, and he was doing great ministry there. They'd seen all kinds of people healed from all kinds of crazy things. And he, when he got on the plane and he was ready to travel back, he was tired. And he said, I just wanted to read my book and put my earbuds in and close out the rest of the world because I'd done some ministry, and I was ready to not do that right then. But as he was looking around the plane, there was a lady a couple seats down and God just started talking to him about her. And he said, she has hurt her back and you need to pray for her to be healed. And he thought, oh. <laughs> and he took his earbuds out and he put his book away and he leaned across the person that was sitting between them and he leaned over to the lady and he said, I'm a pastor and I've been in Africa and we've been doing some healings and sometimes God talks to me and he said that maybe you hurt your back. And she looked at him and she said, how did you know that I hurt my back? And he said, well, no, because that happens sometimes. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I hurt my back. I slipped and fell on the ice the other day and it's been really hurting me and I'm not really sure what I'm gonna do about it. And he said, well, I would love to pray for you you let me. And so she actually got up out of her seat and, and, and kind of came down in the aisle and he began to pray for her. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit came on them so powerfully that she actually fell over in the aisle. And the stewardess comes walking down the aisle and says, is everything okay here? Do I need to call a doctor? And the pastor said, I've never really figured out how to answer that question. <laughs> And he said, yeah, everything's fine. I've a pastor and I've been in Africa and I've been healing people and God told me that her back was hurting and it was, so I prayed for her and told her the whole story. And the stewardess looked at him and said, my knee has been hurting. <laughs> Would you be willing to pray for me? And, and he said, well, sure, I'd be happy to pray for you. And in the meantime, during this conversation, the woman lying on the floor comes to and she just says to everyone around her, this is a man of God. He's been in Africa, he's been healing people and he knew that my back was hurting. And, and then he begins to pray for the flight attendant whose knee was hurting and her knee was healed. And then all of a sudden, he sees a line of people down the row. <laughs> and then he hears over the intercom on the plane, we have a man of God on the plane and he's been in Africa and he's been healing people. And if you need healing, you need to come line up. But interestingly enough, one of the people came up to him who needed prayer and said to him, am I gonna fall out of my chair when you pray for me? <laughs> and the pastor said, I don't really know. But isn't it interesting that when God calls us to take a step of faith out of what is comfortable, we have to check ourselves to see if we're really okay with the extraordinary. Because heaven 
is extraordinary and heaven on earth is extraordinary and God really doesn't do normal. If you wanted normal, you should have stayed an unbeliever. <laughs> because when you cross over that line, when you take that step, there should be no turning back. And God is calling you and me and the people in our churches, the people that we're not even sure will want to come with us, he's calling. And he's saying, can you be okay with the extraordinary? Because if you're gonna live in the kingdom and you're going to serve God, if you're gonna serve Jesus as king, then you're gonna have to be okay with the extraordinary. And you are going to have to be okay with the fact that God is going to open up the heavens. He will. It's not something that we just say. It's not something that the pastor just stands up and talks about, oh, the heavens are opening again and isn't that great? And then we all go have lunch. It's real. When Jesus talked to Nathaniel and Jesus said, I saw you before you knew me and I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, whoa, you really are the Lord. And Jesus said, you think that's impressive? <laughs> and then he said, you're gonna see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus is the one that makes crossing that threshold possible, but we have got to step up to the plate as his believers, as his servants, as his friends, as his brothers and sisters. And we are gonna have to ask God, please, Epaphtha, open it up and we'll be ready because we will do extraordinary. Because that's what we want in this place, in our homes, in our churches. God, you are what we want. So get ready. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. All right, Stephanie, we're backstage here. And I'm having you pick up the mic that you just dropped out there. <laughs> You're so kind. It's so much fun to be here. If you wanted normal, you should have stayed an unbeliever. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bomb right there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love that. That imagery, I mean, your, your talk was full of so many great mm, images to you. think about. To crossing over into the promised land. And it's clear the Israelites didn't have a, a good experience of living there because they, no. they didn't hear the preparation. That's so true, yeah. Because Judges is a mess. Oh, it's a hot mess. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this is so beautiful. I mean, the way that, that Joshua literally walks the the Jews through this. Here's what God's done for you. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. But you get to choose who you're going to serve in this land. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's kind of his last word mm -hmm. into them. And uh, God prepares us to take the step um, standing on the edge. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you said that I found was interesting. I have conquered so you can be more than conquerors. Yeah. I found that interesting because I'd never thought of that before. We always just kind of read that verse. I memorized it as a kid. Yes. But what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Yeah, yeah. Like the work's already been done. Yes. And that's what I love about that because, you know, so much of the time we spend is usually in a battle that's already been won. 
Yeah. And so to say, well, Jesus already conquered everything that was necessary to be conquered. It's time for you to step up even beyond that and, and live. Yeah. We have to do things that look a lot more like heaven. Mm-hmm. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Every Sunday yeah. in my church, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we could constantly kind of go over that like, wouldn't that be great if that was the case? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but we don't actually believe that it, it's supposed it could to be. be. Right. It's exactly. supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that idea of the threshold that the threshold between heaven and earth is not as big as we think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of times we we think that heaven really truly is something we have to wait for. But Jesus said so many times, the kingdom of God is here. It, it's here. Now, heaven is a grand and glorious reward. I mean, it's going to be wonderful. But But Jesus came so that we could live in that kingdom now. And, and I think a lot of us Christians, it's very sad when we don't take full advantage of that and say, that's, that's what I want to do. We live in this kind of dichotomous world, right, where we, we separate those things out. Mm-hmm. But I like the Celtic idea of the thin place, you know, the idea yes. where heaven and earth come together. And yes. those thin places, like on an airplane and the story you described, yes. or at the riverside, you know, as they're crossing into the promised land. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so good. So if you had a chance to go back up to the zip line again, (laughs) would you step off this time? I absolutely would. (laughs) I absolutely would. Hopefully one day I will get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for all you do. This was a great talk today. And um, we look forward to hearing more. Thanks so much. Thanks.